Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the most exciting show on the internet. Thank you once again for tuning in to the VR1 NFT podcast. And I'm your host. How are you guys doing today? Come on down, have a seat. Get your popcorn ready. Please grab your coffee, grab your tea, grab your protein shakes, your juice blends, your veggie blends. Get your cheese danishes, your bagels, your English muffins, your toast, your oatmeal, your cereal. Maybe you have a panini for breakfast. Whatever gets you going. Let's get that started. Welcome to another episode. We fixed my microphone. I apologize. My executive producer is in the process of taking a nap. That's my beautiful son. So let's give you guys a proper intro. And let's do what we do. Alright? Let's do what we do. Right. Give you guys a proper introduction. Let's go, baby. We are broadcasting live. We're gonna do a a, a business module today, and here we go. I have treated myself to some beautiful Starbucks. I have the formula for the perfect cup of coffee. And here it is. It's a tall blonde roast inside of a venti hot cup. You're gonna get six raw sugars. You're gonna get a little bit of coconut milk and you're gonna get half and half. What you're gonna do is, while the coffee's still steaming hot, you're gonna add your cinnamon. You're gonna add your raw sugar and what you're gonna do is you're gonna stir it until it gets to a good consistency. I prefer to use two stir stick. I call it the two stir sticks technology. So I go clock, clockwise and counterclockwise several times. Then I add my coconut milk, which is gonna cool it down just a little bit. Um, if you could do a pour over, if you get it later during the day, they might not have blonde roast. Um, that's perfectly fine because it's going to brew really, really hot. Then you add your half and half and enjoy the world's best cup of coffee. Also, for business, it's a great way to taste the management skills of the business. You'll be able to taste the coconut milk to see if it's fresh. It'll taste like sweet coconut milk. If it tastes anything less than that, there's a problem. If they give you soy milk instead that means they don't have coconut milk that's a problem same thing with the half and half you can taste it to see the temperature and the consistency if those two things are in place as well as the coffee you got the world's best cup of coffee i like to do between um five and six raw sugars today i got lucky my barista gave me seven raw sugars I didn't have enough half and half, so it kind of made up the difference. You know that the coffee is so pure, it tends to have a, a, a strongish taste. But, um, let me save myself some battery here. 
Okay, so where are we? Let's discuss where we are in all actuality. Yesterday, I had to make a tough decision. You know, I had to make a tough decision. And um, I'm happy that I made the decision. You see, I have an advantage when it comes to business. For the simple fact that I have a spiritual compass, so I pray over everything. And ever since I was young, I would pray that anything that wasn't for me would find this way to leave my side or, or leave my life. Yesterday, I faced a situation where I had to convey to some of my current business partners that I had a new business that I was taking over and that I was doing everything in my power to be able to help in both businesses and slowly but surely what winded up happening was that there was no grace in the way that I parted ways with what I was uh, addressing as site one and um, even after the decision was made to part ways the way that I exited the business is the way that I always do you know once the contract is up there's only one choice you either renew the contract or we have to part ways and um, you know I was very humble very thankful for the opportunity and I even extended you know my friendship outside of business beyond you know in the future and to no avail to no response no derivative came from that and that let me know that there was animosity and hatred there was unappreciation for me from the beginning and because of those things um, God made a way to sever ties for me and the business and I walk away with all the great people that I met all the great characters that even moving forward because I actually have a business venture very close a new business venture very close to this existing one and um, I will still have access to these people I will still be able to come visit them and just still spread the love that I will spread to them and receive the love that they would they would give to me and um, all of those things kind of correlate together and it just goes to show you let me share a story with you guys several months ago I walked away from a business that I was in for about 40 weeks so about 10 months and um, it was a systematic decay um, lack of appreciation you know it's not healthy mentally to be in a place where you're not appreciated and um, I had to walk away I had to like put the hammer down put the axe down completely cut myself from the situation because it went from a professional realm to a personal realm and I was deeply disrespected underappreciated abused at times 
and I decided to give it an opportunity to see if, if things would improve and they never did. Eventually, things developed to the point where I had no choice but to let it be known that my success has never come from mankind. There's not one person that can say that they're responsible for the successes of my life, nor a group of people. Therefore, I wanted to share that with you guys. And the question becomes, how do we move on? Well, first of all, a lot of progress has been made. Again, we're gonna talk business and then we're gonna go to my music career. And we'll do a little bit of technology since there's a forum where Kevin O'Leary is talking about NFTs and are they gone. So with business first, I have secured a new business opportunity, which has proven to be vital. It's a much better opportunity. It's a more contained system. Um, I predict I will be busier in my endeavors from day to day. Um, I'm actually closer to where the business is now. So that's an advantage. Um, the pay is higher. There's more professionalism, more opportunities for growth in the company and a completely new opportunity to meet new people and learn new things and go on this new journey. So income is actually going to increase for my business. So that's a positive. Also, there are available times for me to implement myself in other businesses and other business ventures. So that's a plus. It also opens up the potential for me to take upon other business ventures all the way across town, maybe an hour, two hours away. Um, I tried to keep all the businesses that I manage within a three hour uh, radius for me to be able to go from one business to the next in, in no more than three hours. So you figure you're driving 65 miles an hour. So a two hour drive would be 130 miles. Now let's add another 65 miles to that. So within a 200 mile radius is what I like to operate in. So all of these things have occurred for a reason. And I've learned a lot in the process. Actually, I was working extremely hard in this business. I mean, opening at, at dusk and working until dawn. Like, it was, it was that serious. And um, I see some of the characters that led to me having to walk away and I pretty much checkmated them. Like the entire process, I was playing chess. They played checkers. So I even gave them the opportunity to feel like they had the victory and that they had the win. But in reality, I controlled all the pieces of the chessboard. So once I made the checkmate move, which was securing the other business and letting them know that their inefficiencies and their unprofessionalism um, would not be tolerated. It opened the opportunity 
for them to accept reality. Like either we conform to the situation, we work together, both businesses can benefit, or we move forward. And it's to the extent that I'm even able to bypass these subcontractors to go directly to the source of the company. And I honestly have no, um, I have nothing to gain from that in reality. If you, if you think about it, because what's the point, you know, I don't want to focus too much on that because I have to focus on my, my music career and my tour. So that's what I pulled from it. And we'll go back and we'll have a reflection on that. Now, for my music career, let's talk about the progress that I've had. I've built a new system that I tested yesterday. This is a new program. And it's a new design. And I'm going to fine-tune it today. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stress-proof it today. Basically, in my music career, I'm devising ways to launch the tour. Because I'm so budget-conscious... And I believe that the numbers don't lie. And I have a conviction to basically hold myself accountable for every red penny that I invest. Um, that's exactly what I intend to do. So let me tell you how this works. I have a terrain program. Oh, man, look at this beautiful Audi R8. That's the car on my list. It's either the R8 or the McLaren GT. I swear to you are my favorite right now. Um, what the terrain program allows me to do is it allows me to pinpoint all of the dates where the performances will be held. Now, it's strategic per country, per region, and per venue. Now... What I'm adding to it, the top layer, the middle layer that I'm adding to the program is I'm going to do the research on the logistics of travel. So every decision that I make financially will be based on the best possible financial decision because my strategy is results based decision making in a, in a sense a form of uh, reverse brainstorming. So I'll give you an example. Let's say I have five data points. I have a performance in Japan. I have a performance in Australia. I have a performance in Dubai. I have a performance in France. And I have a performance in Brazil, for example. So remember those five key cities. Japan, Australia, France, Dubai, Brazil. Now... What I'll do is I'll do the research and figure out what's the most affordable airline that can get me and my team to the performances. So that'll be the following layer. Okay. Now add to that layer, the sub layers to connect to, let's say, Trivago or Expedia. For example, let's use those two, Expedia and, and, and Trivago. Now, what I'll do is I'll plot and I'll map out. I'll write another program to plot and map out strategically. What is the most affordable rate for, let's say, 
United Emirates Airlines. For example, is it cheaper for me to fly to Dubai from France, Brazil, Japan, Australia, or uh, any other place in between? That'll be the final variable. Let's say it says, well, the most affordable flight is stemming from Japan. I'll give you an example. Now I know that if I'm going to close the tour in, in Dubai, I know that the last leg of the tour, I have to go, for example, Australia, Brazil, Spain, France. I'll add Spain as the wild card. And then Japan, Dubai, for example. So now not only am I building the schedule of the tour, meaning I already have a schematic to start negotiating the venues because while the performances are starting, let's say in uh, Brazil, for example, I'm already negotiating New Zealand, Australia, Spain, Germany, Italy, for example, that region, even though I attribute it to Spain and France, I'm penetrating that entire region because I know that the direction that the tour is taking is the best possible direction financially. So what that does is it allows me the opportunity to save money on logistics and lodging, which are, you know, resort fees, Airbnbs, etc. And capitalizing on those savings and then reinvesting that into the business ventures. So I'll give you an example, and this is how I got the idea. I looked at a venue in, I want to say Mexico City, because I have a performance there. So in Mexico City, there was a villa for rent for about 15000 per month. First of all, the first decision is, do we need the villa for an entire month? The answer is no. That's an advantage. That's an opportunity to save money. Number two, can we find an alternative for $3,500 a month? Meaning, what is the technical difference between a $3,500 villa that can house the entire workforce and a $15,000 villa? How much more could we do with the extra $11,500? Well, the answer is simple. With the extra $11,500, I may be able to get five or six other locations at five or six other venues where we have five or six other revenue streams. So this is a perfect opportunity to save even the extra $500 to have let's say a more comfortable rental car let's say have a more comfortable flight where maybe we could fly first class instead of going uh, through a private jet service or having the layer of logistics to determine you know what maybe for our flight from brazil to australia it's not worth it to charter a private jet but from France to Spain, it is because let's say we have a deal and we can book the jet for 
$10,000 because it's a short trip. Maybe we can even uh, carpool inside of the, of the jet. But now I have a workforce of 20 people that, for example, if I fly them first class, they're at two, three thousand dollars a piece, where it would be sixty thousand versus ten or fifteen thousand. So now that's an expense I can authorize, because now I can do that three, four, five times. Just as an example, so we want to speak in general concept terms, and then we each can kind of modify to every possible or potential situation. So. By me figuring this out, I said, okay, how can I take this a step further? I knew I had to build a program that would work with real numbers in active time, kind of like a spider ETF, kind of calculates, you know, what the market is going to be. It's kind of like an algorithm, but basically it would, it would give me the data point of, remember that flying from Japan to Dubai is the most affordable or vice versa or even anything in between. It may say, well, from Dubai, go back to Spain and then fly to Australia. Now, as I'm negotiating the venues, I also know ahead of time how much time I have in between performances. So now by me having this data at my availability, now I can start negotiating venues. And what I would do is I would pick 12 to 16 venues and then I would basically you know for example um, negotiate and narrow it down to the top 12 and then negotiate down to the top five and then negotiate down to the top three and the closer we we get to actually performing at the venues or traveling to that market that city etc then we can finalize the terms in which we will perform. Another data point is the actual data. My aim is to build a global network for live performances. So I'm building the underground railroad for future artists involved with my company and my record label. So not only can I provide multiple performances myself as an artist, but now I can start financing other artists to do the exact same. So all these places of accommodation, all these logistics of technology, bookkeeping, transportation, these are all future business partnerships, directly or indirectly. Meaning, if I hire a company to create merchandise, let's say it's a hoodie or a t-shirt or a keychain, or a ruler, or pens, whatever it is, and they give me a pretty good deal during my promotion and marketing run. Now I have another artist. I'm gonna go outsource those resources to those people of trust, those people that are part of the network. So the same way that I may have a top tier event at one market, or in one demographic, in one area, one spectrum of the world, I still may be able to negotiate other venues in the future for other tiered artists that may have a smaller venue, a more medium venue, or a venue bigger than mine. 
even the wild card of a collective of performances. So when you're talking about places like India, where this market is so huge, you know, we have a choice. Do we go to the main markets where the music is being consumed? Do we explore into unknown and uncharted markets for expansion potential? Meaning maybe in the inner cities we do the concerts, but in the smaller cities we sell the merchandise. And then in the undeveloped cities, we create bigger venues by default because they may not be able to travel to the city or travel to the sub-cities on the outer skirts. So these are just examples that can be applied down to a formula, down to a specific format for every single market. So now, why would I fly, for example, from Seoul, Korea, in South Korea, to Dubai, if I know that Japan is going to give me a better deal? Let's say I save, on average, $2,000. Those $2,000 could be reinvested into promotion and marketing, logistics, lodging, uh, accounting. Maybe we could use that money to hire another professional um, to improve on the company. All these things are factors that most businesses, especially corporate accounts, they may not take the human time to, let's say, um, do the research, do the logistics, do the follow through, um, kind of educate themselves on how to do this or they may not want to write the email they may not want to make the phone call they may not want to travel and make the investment to scope out the market and scope out where these venues are and how these venues pretty much are put together because you're also dealing with capacity you know in different parts of the world the laws are a little bit different everywhere you go perform so now, ahead of time and during the process, we can have a future budget where the money hasn't even come in. You know, when you perform, you only get half of the money up front. But now I can use that money to secure other venues, building a formula and a schematic, a cycle, a blueprint on how to continuously do this. This is what's going to determine the success of the tour. Because the reality is, is that there are millions of dollars out there, but everything is not coming in one big paycheck. It's every performance. It's every venue. It's uh, outsourcing locally merchandise, flyers, posters. Um, you know, can we get some flyers on the side of a bus? Maybe we can't do it in France, but maybe we can afford to do it in Spain. And if everything is working together, remember, as an extension of this network, it's all the resources and the people that come with the network. So I may be in Japan, in Okinawa, and I may have a, camp, a, a marketing campaign running in Tokyo simultaneously. And then when the performance is at the second market, the first market can still have merchandise, etc., etc. Now... This entire process is content creation opportunities because you guys will all come along with me on the journey. And we are about six weeks from this 
you know, starting on the next level. Again, the only thing that could slow us down currently is the, I guess, the passport administration for the United States. Everything is so backed up because of COVID-19. And we basically have to wait because that we have no control over. The good news is, regardless of when the passports come in, not only for myself, but my family, not only for my family, but my entire staff, is that once the passports come in, they're good for four or five years, sometimes more. I'm not too sure about that, but um, don't quote me on that. So now that we got that out the way, let's look at our timer real quick and we'll move into our module. So this is excellent for an introduction. We're gonna take a quick pause and we'll be right back with our second segment. Okay, now moving on to segment number two. I told you guys we will be back in a New York minute. I told you guys I made the perfect cup of coffee. Therefore, now it's time to show and prove because I'm going to start drinking my coffee before it cools down. This always happens. I still do it anyway. Mmm. Good coffee. And pure raw, like straight to the point, you know? Now, let's look at our business modules for today. What could improve this new system that I'm implementing? And what does it deal with? Is it a career skill? Is it a communication skill? Is it a creativity tool? Does it focus on decision-making? Is it a leadership skill? Is it a learning skill? Are we problem-solving? Are we focusing on project management? Is this a a strategy tool? Are we dealing with stress management, team management, or time management? Now, not necessarily a career skill, but it could be. Communications is probably where I'm at today. Creativity, um, potential. Decision-making, potential. I think that's where we are. I don't think it has to do with leadership skills. It could deal with learning skills um, and problem-solving, which is part of project management. So I can kind of see that. Um, It's not a strategic thing. It's not stress, team management, or time management. So now let's let's address it from project management, which I think is overall, to problem solving. Hmm, Not really because we kind of address that. It could be a learning skill. Definitely, yes. Communication is more like logistics, creativity. Let's try learning skills. Let's see what we could find there. So we have mind maps. We have speed reading. SQ3R. Review strategies. The number rhyme mnemonic. The conscious competence ladder. Gardner's multiple intelligences. And learning styles. No, I don't think learning skills would apply to today's challenge. You know, as entrepreneurs, we face these challenges every day. So let's see what we have under communication skills. As, of course, YouTube tries its best to get free advertisement 
on my program, which I'm not going to allow. So let's go with communication skills. We have Monroe's motivated sequence, creating a value proposition, Moravian's communication model, active listening. No, I don't think this would be it. Let's try either decision making or problem solving. Hmm. Do we have a challenge making a decision or is there a problem we need to solve? Let's see decision making, see what we have. Business experiments, let's see. Have Pareto analysis, cost benefit analysis. Maybe this is this is probably where we are. So log on to MindTools at MindTools.com. Please go to the iTunes where you could download the app or at your Google Marketplace. Go to your 120 orange rectangle free tools. Go into your toolkit for decision making. And um, this is the cost benefit analysis. Deciding quantitatively whether to go ahead also known as CBA and benefit cost analysis. So let's just, let's explore this and see how we can implement this because we are budget conscious and we don't have all the money in the world to spend. So every single decision is important and every red penny counts. Give me one quick second. Mm. So here we go. Let me turn up this uh, visibility here. And let's rock and roll. Imagine that you've recently taken on a new project and your people are struggling to keep up with the increased workload. You are therefore considering whether to hire a new team member. Clearly, the benefits of hiring a new person need to significantly outweigh the associated costs. This is where cost-benefit analysis is useful. Here's a quick note. CBA is a quick and simple technique that you can use for non-critical financial decisions, where decisions are mission critical or large sums of money are involved. Other approaches, such as use of net present values and internal rates of return, are often more appropriate. So here's a little insight about the tool. Julius Duput, a French engineer and economist, introduced the concepts behind CBA in the 1840s. It became popular in the 1950s as a simple way of weighing up project costs and benefits to determine whether to go ahead with a project. As its name suggests, cost-benefit analysis involves adding up the benefits of a course of action and then comparing these with the costs associated with it. The results of the analysis are often expressed as a payback period. This is the time it takes for benefits to repay costs. Many people who use it look for payback in less than a specific period, for example, three years. You can use the technique in a wide variety of situations, for example, 
when you are, number one, deciding whether to hire new team members. Number two, evaluating a new project or change initiative. And number three, determining the feasibility of a capital purchase. However, bear in mind that it is best for making quick and simple financial decisions. More robust approaches are commonly used for more complex, business critical or high cost decisions. How to use the tool. Follow these steps to do a cost benefit analysis. Step one, brainstorm costs and benefits. First, take time to brainstorm all of the costs associated with the project and make a list of these. Then do the same for all of the benefits of the project. Can you think of any unexpected costs? Are there benefits that you may not initially have anticipated? When you come up with the costs and benefits, think about the lifetime of the project. What are the costs and benefits likely to be over time? Step two, assign a monetary value to the cost. Costs include the cost of physical resources needed, as well as the cost of the human effort involved in all phases of a project. Costs are often relatively easy to estimate compared with revenues. It's important that you think about as many related costs as you can. For example, what will any training cost? Will there be a decrease in productivity while people are learning a new system or technology? And how much will this cost? Remember to think about costs that will continue to be incurred once the project is finished. For example, consider whether you will need additional staff, if your team will need ongoing training, or if you'll have increased overheads. Step three, assign a monetary value to the benefits. This step is less straightforward than step two. Firstly, it's often very difficult to predict revenues accurately, especially for new products. Secondly, along with the financial benefits that you anticipate, there are often intangible or soft benefits that are important outcomes of the project. For instance, what is the impact on the environment, employee satisfaction, or health and safety? What is the monetary value of that impact? As an example is preserving an ancient monument worth 500,000, or is it worth $5 million because of its historical importance? Or, what is the value of stress-free travel to work in the morning? Here, it's important to consult with other stakeholders and decide how you'll value these intangible items. Step 4. Compare costs and benefits. Finally, compare the value of your costs to the value of your benefits and use this analysis to decide your course of action. To do this, calculate your total costs and your total benefits, and compare the two values to determine 
whether your benefits outweigh your cost. At this stage, it's important to consider the payback time to find out how long it will take for you to reach the break-even point, the point in time at which the benefits have just repaid the cost. For simple examples, write the same benefits or where the same benefits are received each period. You can calculate the payback period by dividing the projected total cost of the project by the projected total revenues. Total cost divided by total revenue or benefits will equal the length of time or the payback period. Here's an example. Custom Graphic Works has been operating for just over a year and sales are exceeding targets. Currently, two designers are working full time and the owner is considering increasing capacity to meet demand. This would involve leasing more space and hiring two new designers. He decides to complete a cost-benefit analysis to explore his choices. Here are the assumptions. Number one, currently the owner of the company has more work than he can cope with and he is outsourcing to other design firms at a cost of $50 an hour. The company outsources an average of 100 hours of work each month. He estimates that revenue will increase by 50% with increased capacity. Per person production will increase by 10% with more working space. The analysis horizon is one year, that is, he expects benefits to accrue within the year. So here's a graphic and it has three slots, category, details, cost in the first year. Number one, lease. 750 square feet available next door at $18 per square foot. Cost in the first year, $13,500. Leasehold improvements. Knockout walls and reconfigure office space. Cost in the first year, $15,000. Category, hire two more designers. Details, salary, including benefits. Cost in the first year, 75,000. Details, recruitment costs. Cost in the first year, 11,250. Orientation and training. Cost in the first year, $3,000. Categories, two additional workstations. Furniture and hardware, $6,000 for the first year. Software licenses, $1,000. Construction downtime, two weeks at approximately $7,500 in revenue per week. Cost for the year, $15,000. The total adding up to $139,750. So what are the benefits? This is divided into two tiers. The benefit 
and then the benefit within 12 months. 50% revenue increase equates to $195,000 in 12 months. Benefit of paying in-house designers $15 an hour versus $15, I'm sorry, versus $50 an hour outsourcing 100 hours per month on average. Savings equal $3,500 a month. Benefit within 12 months, $42,000. 10% improved productivity per designer, $7,500 plus $3,750 equal $11,250 revenue per week with a 10% increase at $1,125 per week. Benefit within 12 months, $58,500. Improved customer service and retention as a result of 100% in-house design, $10,000 in the first 12 months. The total is $305,500. He calculates the payback time as shown below. $139,750 divided by $305,500 equals 0.46% of a year or approximately five and a half months at 5.5 months. Inevitably, the estimates of the benefits are subjective and there is a degree of uncertainty associated with the anticipated revenue increase. Despite this, the owner of Custom Graphic Works decides to go ahead with the expansion and hiring, given the extent to which the benefits outweigh the cost within the first year. Flaws of Cost-Benefit Analysis Cost-Benefit Analysis struggles as an approach where a project has cash flows that come in over a number of periods of time, particularly where returns vary from period to period. In these cases, use net present value or NPV and internal rate of return IRR calculations together to evaluate the project rather than using cost benefit analysis. These also have the advantage of bringing time money of value into the calculation. Also, the revenue that will be generated by a project can be very hard to predict, and the value that people place on intangible benefits can be very subjective. This can often make the assessment of possible revenues unreliable. This is a flaw in many approaches to financial evaluation. So how realistic and objective are benefit value used? Key points. Cost-benefit analysis is a relatively straightforward tool for deciding whether to pursue a project. To use the tool, first list all the anticipated costs associated with the project and then estimate the benefits that you'll receive from it. Where benefits are received over time, work out the time it will take for the benefits to repay the cost.
you can carry out an analysis using only financial costs and benefits. However, you may decide to include intangible items within the analysis, as you must estimate a value for these items. This inevitably brings more subjectivity into the process. Now, that's an excellent module there. And um, we're going to go back a little bit. And let me see if that was under decision making. Give me one quick second. Yep, it was definitely under decision making. So now let's go with creativity tools. And yesterday we went over reverse brainstorming, which deals with brainstorming. Roll storming, we haven't done yet. But let's try the reframing matrix for today. Let me see our time encounter. Okay, we're on great time right now. I'm trying to think. Um, let's see new ideas and strategies. Okay, let's do for our creativity tools. Let's do new ideas, strategies and techniques because this will apply to where we are at the moment. So once again, please log on to MindTools at MindTools.com. Select your orange rectangle that gives you 120 free tools. Go into creativity tools and go to new ideas, strategies, and techniques. You can download the app on the Google Play Store or on iTunes. Give me one quick second because I'm going to enjoy this coffee right now. Mm. Okay, new ideas, strategies, and techniques. Inspiring innovation through creative thinking. Fire up your creativity and unlock new ideas. You can't use up creativity. The more you use, the more you have. Maya Angelou, American author. An open mind is a valuable resource. When you're interested in new possibilities and are able to think creatively or creatively, you're more likely to stay energized in your role and keep your team or business one step ahead of the competition. And sometimes the success of a project depends on more than just small tweaks or suggestions for new ways forward. It needs someone to come up with a big, radical, innovative idea. This article shows you that someone could be you. The power of new ideas. You don't have to be artistic to be creative. Everyone can learn to generate bold, groundbreaking ideas by adopting a creative approach and applying the best thinking tools. There are three key approaches to generating new ideas. Number one, breaking old patterns. Number two, making new connections.
Number three, getting fresh perspectives. We'll look at each of these elements in turn. Then we'll outline five ways to foster the best environment for creative thinking to flourish. Note, it's important to have a solid understanding of the problem that you want to solve before trying these techniques. In one quick second. In one quick second. Okay, I apologize for that. Mm. Okay, here we go. Let's go back to the power of new ideas. You don't have to be artistic to be creative. Everyone can learn to generate bold, groundbreaking ideas by adopting a creative approach and applying the best thinking tools. There are three key approaches to generating new ideas. Number one, breaking old thinking patterns. Number two, making new connections. Number three, getting fresh perspectives. We'll look at each of these elements in turn. Then we'll outline five ways to foster the best environment for creative thinking to flourish. Here's a note. It's important to have a solid understanding of the problem that you want to solve before trying these techniques. You can use tools like the five whys or problem definition process to get to the root of the issue. That way you can be confident that the new ideas you produce will have real impact. Number one, breaking old thinking patterns. We can all get stuck in certain tracks of thought and fall victim to groupthink. These ideas may be so comfortable that we don't even realize that they're holding us back. So to have fresh ideas, we need to break away from established patterns and thought and start to see new paths ahead. Here are some of the best ways to do it. Challenge your assumptions. You'd likely bring a set of assumptions to each and every situation. Many of them may turn out to be true, but challenging your preconceptions can also open up some exciting possibilities. For example, maybe you'd like to extend your home office. You know it's a good investment, but you don't pursue the idea because you assume that you can't afford it. Challenge that assumption. You might not have the money in the bank right now, but you could sell some other assets to raise the cash. Could you take out a loan and work overtime to make the payments? Here's a tip. See our article on blind spot analysis for more advice on stepping away from your assumptions. Both new ideas often arise when you do. Rephrase the problem. 
The way you define or frame your problem can limit your creativity. If you describe the issue you're trying to solve in a different way or look at it from a different angle, new solutions can emerge. For example, when Uber founder Garrett Camp wanted to start a transport service, he could have focused simply on buying and managing enough vehicles to make a profit. Instead, he reframed the problem in terms of how he could best address passengers' needs. This led to the development of a powerful app. Rather than a fleet of cars and an innovative business was born. Think in reverse. If you're finding it difficult to think of a new approach, try turning the problem upside down. Flip the question and explore the exact opposite of what you want to achieve. This can present you with innovative ways to tackle the real issue. To come up with a new design for your website, for example, think about how you'd create the worst look possible. Trying to make it boring, frustrating, and forgettable may give you some bold ideas for how to do the opposite. You can learn more about this approach in our article on reverse brainstorming. Mix your idea. Radical ideas can arise from tackling problems in unusual ways. A great way to do this is to apply different types of creativity. Don't just talk or write about your plans. Explore them through music, painting, photography, sculpture. Whatever enables you to express yourself. Fresh thinking can emerge when you let your creative juices flow. Interior designers, for example, often create mood boards made up of scraps of fabric, dabs of paint, photographs, sketches, typefaces, or even small objects. This process of visualization can produce original designs that wouldn't have occurred to them otherwise. Making new connections. Another way to generate new ideas is to make new and unexpected connections. Some of the best ideas seem to occur almost by chance. You see or hear something unconnected with the situation you're trying to resolve, and a light bulb goes on in your head. For instance, inventor George DeMestro was inspired to invent Velcro by the burdock burrs that got stuck to his dog's fur during a countryside walk. An architect, Mick Pierce, developed a groundbreaking climate control system based on the self-cooling mounds built by termites. Try some of the following strategies for forging creative connections. Random words. Pick a word at random from any document. Then look for novel associations between that word and your problem. For example, 
If you were exploring ways to reduce sick leave in your company and your random word was ball, you might hit on the idea of organizing a monthly softball game to raise morale and motivate people to stay healthy. Picture prompts. Images can be a great way to inspire creative thinking. Pick any image, find a connection with your problem, however tenuous, and notice any new possibilities that open up. A picture of a giant redwood, for instance, might suggest new ways to organize the teams and branches within your business. Objects of interest. How about asking your team members to bring a small object of their choice to your next ideas meeting? You could generate new ideas by asking questions such as, how is this object like the problem we're trying to solve? Or how could we use this object to meet our challenge? A stapler say might prompt you to consider whether people on your team are becoming disconnected. Maybe you could set up a new communications channel to fasten them back together. Here is a tip. See our article on mind maps for another useful technique for making unexpected connections. Finding fresh perspectives. Finally, you can add extra dynamism to your thinking by taking a step back from your usual standpoint and viewing a problem through fresh eyes. You'll often get a surprising new take on an issue by talking to someone with a different perspective. Maybe because of their age, life experience, or cultural background. Or try playing the if I were game. Ask yourself, how would I address this challenge if I were? You could be an athlete, a successful entrepreneur, Abraham Lincoln, anyone. Consider how the person you've chosen would approach the problem and see if that gives you any new ideas. Identify that person's distinguishing characteristics and use them to address the challenge. The entrepreneur, for instance, might take bigger risks while the athlete would focus on achieving success through intensive training. Here's a tip. Our article, The Reframing Matrix, explores another useful method for seeing a problem from a range of different perspectives. Five ways to encourage creative thinking. The strategies we've outlined above work best in an atmosphere of positivity and possibility. The following ideas may help you to establish the best conditions for creativity. Number one, believe in yourself. Have faith that great ideas will come. Try using techniques such as positive affirmations to keep your spirits high. Number two, find time for downtime. Some of the best ideas appear when you're thinking about 
something else or not really thinking at all maybe walking listening to music or playing with your kids rest relaxation and sleep are all important for recharging your creative batteries but make sure that you have a notepad or device handy for capturing your brilliant thoughts whatever you're doing number three vary your environment changing your setting can transform your thinking and offer new sources of inspiration we've already mentioned the power of a country walk for inventor George the Mestro hold your meeting in a nearby coffee shop instead of the conference room in your office or ask your people to join you for an ideas walk in the park number four minimize interruptions when you're focused on generating ideas and feel in the zone stay there do your thinking in a place where it's easy and enjoyable to work spend some time with your phone and laptop turned off and your door closed so that nothing and no one disrupts your train of thought number five have fun playfulness and humor are essential ingredients of creativity especially if you're exploring new ideas with a team when the pressure's on to come up with something radical make sure that you're still relaxed and open-minded enough for the very best ideas to emerge here are some key points creativity is important in many roles but sometimes you need especially bold ideas to solve a difficult problem or to move forward in completely new ways. It's important to remember that anyone can be creative and that you can improve your ability to generate innovative ideas. The key techniques to do this are, number one, breaking out of old patterns of thinking. You can do this by challenging your assumptions, rephrasing the problem, mixing your media and thinking in reverse number two forging new connections use random words picture prompts or objects of interest to force your mind to make new connections number three approaching issues from new perspectives talk to different people with different perspectives and backgrounds and try to play the if I were game. As well as these techniques, employ enabling strategies such as boosting your confidence, allowing for downtime, and varying your environment to encourage creativity. Now that was a phenomenal module and I'm so grateful that we actually selected these for today's exercise so what do I take from this first of all oh my god do you stretch I like in the end how they spoke about downtime because for me it's something extremely extremely important and I am hard on myself at times about having the downtime to just kind of like 
disconnect from the world, right? So, long story short, I'm working on this new strategy by building this new program. And in that process, I'm working on 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 these new goals and this new kind of change in perspective of how I'm, I'm approaching this entire tour. I'm considering all angles at the same time and I'm breaking everything down into layers. So right now, time is of the essence, allowing myself to go through this process and again, sharing it with all of you. So you guys see many years from now when you're looking back how each uh, building stone is being placed in this construction site known as my music career. So these modules help in, in, in many facets. For example, for one, I get to not only share this with you guys, I get to teach this lesson. I get to learn from the lesson as well because even after I go back to my office while I'm working on other things like logistics and you know computer programming and engineering and stuff like that I'm still you know sampling the music I'm recording mastering engineering I'm rehearsing I'm doing this I'm doing that and at the same time audio I'm listening to the podcast I'm finding better ways to improve the podcast right now I'm not focused on the revenue stream from the podcast. Obviously, this is monetized. But the quality of the content that I'm able to present. So the master always gets the best lesson because he's so repetitive in in his agenda. You know, teaching the class and teaching this and teaching that. So all these elements, when we as entrepreneurs think about it, we kind of read these things in a generic format. We, we look at things from a generic perspective, like this can apply to all things. When what we need to do is subtract what we can from that interchange or from that exchange and then apply it personally to what we're dealing with. So I'm building a new program with multiple layers based on already existing platforms or programs or apps and now all of these things are working together in order to reach the goal and the purpose of what my actual investment is so now all of those things come together to create a better logistic system so that the success of the tour is also aided and guided by technology so, again, with simple basic things, why would I rent a venue for 15000 for one event and, and focus three, four months of promotion time when I can rent four or five events for the same price at 3000 a piece, for example, and promote those two weeks, three weeks out and still be able to generate either the same amount of income, which the goal could be, you know, 40 to 60 grand or more. So I'd rather make, for example, 60,000 in, uh, let's say five different venues 
which is 300 grand, than to rent one venue for 15,000 and try to make 150 with one shot. Not only am I taking a higher risk, I'm limiting myself to a market. So it's not about the capacity of the actual performance. It's the fact that we want to reach markets that are unknown. We want to expand into fields of, of performance that are not your average day-to-day places where people may consume the music. So I use the example of the Dominican Republic. It is strategic for me to perform on the outer skirts, on the outer rim of the island first, because they may not have access to public transportation or personal transportation to get to the big venues. And what happens is pretty much the same thing. It's not just the rich people live in the city and the poor people live in the, in the suburbs, etc. It's that the people that have money in the suburbs are the ones that can go to the city to the venue. Now, if I bring the venue to them, everybody that's there, even if they have the propensity and the capacity to travel and transport themselves, the people that don't also have the same opportunity. So that's pretty much, you know, like the breakdown. That's pretty much how it will work. So another company, for whatever reason, either limiting beliefs, budget constraints, time constraints, they're not going to go the extra mile to put a venue together in an unknown, uncharted market. Whereas I would do it because I know that if it works in a major city, it's going to work in a basic city. It's going to work in an in-between city. The, the key factor is knowing where the demand for the music is. And most of the time, it's going to be a place that has a concentration of youth or youth-minded individuals, meaning people that are older, people that are established, but are financially stable and enjoy entertainment. They want to go out and have a good time. They don't always want to go to the city. Maybe they want to party amongst their peers. These are all things that most record labels are not doing, most artists are not doing because they're focused on the bullshit. The bullshit of the business is the fucking media. It's the interviews. It's the this, the that, and the third. And we're going to talk about that very quickly. Yesterday, I'm watching a show a few of my friends host. And um, they're talking about how artists go to non-conventional media outlets to give their interviews or whatever. And the people ridicule them. They only seek them out when they're hot in the moment. Um, When they interview them. It's very basic. It's more like a circus show where the artist has no control. They have no regard for the artist. They tell the artist, we don't even listen to this music. So in a way, you can't boycott those traditional media outlets because you need them. In the beginning, when there was no urban music outlets, some people took a chance. And it also sums or adds to, to their career because the people that watch TV are a little bit different from the people that listen to radio and the people that go online. So I understand that concept, but at the same time, I agree that it shouldn't be a priority. It shouldn't be a primary source. Now, that's another element that I have to add to my performances and my tour. I have to make sure that I reach out once I negotiate the venues in each market, in each parish, etc. I need to reach out to all of the local artists, number one, 
and I need to connect with all that local community and I need to connect or reach out to all of the media outlets, whether they're traditional standard or they're new age uh, communicators, including people that do mostly online, you know, video vlogs, uh, influencers, etc. Also, as part of the campaign to market and the strategy to market is to reach out to these influencers that are in these markets that you know follow this type of content that are involved in this type of entertainment or this element or facet of entertainment so this is a monster or a dragon that you have to slay in so many different um in so many different data points because one of my strategies is you know my philanthropy my whole thing with generating this kind of money is not just to buy shiny monkey shit. I like to donate to charity. I like to rock out with the church. I like to encourage our youth to get an education. You know, institutions where people learn a trade and they are, are aspiring to better themselves. Like, I want to connect with those institutions automatically. And at my own expense, at my own dime. And um, if good can come from it, if that can help promote and market everything that I'm doing, then that's icing on the cake. It's even better. It's something I would do for free. And um, again, these are strategies that in a sense, most new artists don't take pride in what they do. They don't have the honor and they don't understand the grace of the blessing that they truly have. Like I'm able to perform the music that I love, connect with the people that I care for, the people that nobody else cares about, and I make millions of dollars doing it. You know, if I do a tour with a thousand performances and I make $2,000, that's $2 million. There's 365 days in a year. I'm probably gonna be working 340 of those 365 days. So if I do three shows a day, that's a thousand plus right there. If I do two shows a day, that's 700 shows. If I do one show a day, that's still 340 shows. So, you know, you get to the point where you're charging five, 10 grand a performance. I don't need to get to a point of making a hundred thousand a performance. You know, it doesn't mean that I'm not gonna pursue that as an artist, but it just goes to show you. Some artists could do it in a hundred shows, I need to do 350 shows, you know? They may do it in two years, I may have to do it in six years. The goal, the destination is still the same. The approach is different. My perspective is different. My discipline is different. I also wanna add another layer before we, we wrap things up for today. Um, wardrobe, right? I have my own clothing line. Because I'm traveling so much, I have to be able to order everything to my office and then ship it to myself wherever I am in the world because of logistics. Same reason why we're developing the program for the performances, right? I may build an app called Tour. I swear to God, it's gonna be like Worldwide Tour or some shit like that. Because let's say I am in the Middle East and my clothing is coming all the way from overseas in Asia. If it goes to the United States, wherever I am, I can have it shipped directly to wherever I am, performing, right? 
maybe if I'm in Dubai, it's going to be difficult to get, you know, my whatever I'm wearing for that performance from Japan to Dubai, just as an example, you know? So again, I'm exploring every avenue of potential or potentiality of every corner where I could find benefit, where it can be a plus and a bonus to develop a program like this, not only for myself, but for other artists. And how do we tie all these things together and make them work as one? Like I'm using everything from Trivago to Expedia to Google Maps to Airbnb to fucking Turo, uh, Enterprise, Rent-A-Car. Like all these things are part of what I'm aspiring to do. You know, I may have to secure, let's say, a venue where I can cook and provide food as well. You know, I may be able to cater at my own events like there's so much potential. I may be able to connect with every bakery everywhere that I go and they may fucking uh, serve cupcakes with every invitation or, or maybe every NFT for every ticket sold gives you access to a local product or service that we could use for marketing. I mean, the opportunities are endless and it, it comes down to the creativity. What am I gonna do differently? What are the core values of my record label, my music, myself as an artist? And who am I trying to connect with? I'm trying to connect with the day-to-day people that can relate to my struggles and my pain and share in that same perspective. We can be from low resources, low income, etc. And still have an education and be cultured and have a background and be creative and be fucking awesome. I don't care if it's playing golf. I don't care. I don't care. I don't care if it's playing football or whatever the situation is. So all of these things come into play. I, I just seen a, a father and son coming from a golf game. So these are the things that I want to get back into. As a matter of fact, you know, I'm an avid golf player. I would love to play golf all over the world. That just gave me a whole new idea of something completely new that I could do and um, kind of go from from there. And it just goes to show you, you know, I may want to support a basketball league where people are going to inner cities and, and, and sponsoring a basketball team or something like that. Or maybe buying, you know, nets for the basketball court or maybe donating sneakers you know like even that like again i have my own sneakers um even something as simple as that what i'm trying to do is bring everything together and what i'm really selling is a lifestyle this is why i still want to do the podcast especially on business because most artists are not savvy when it comes to business they're just focused on on the creative part so This is all the time that we have for today. I want to thank you once again for tuning in to another episode of the VR1 NFT podcast. I'm your host and tune in next time. Thank you so much and God bless.